0: Hello, and welcome to Crossview Radio, a weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. I'm uh, excited about today's episode. Uh, we are, as a church, having some biblical counseling courses. Uh, to help better equip us as a church, and to equip our community, to uh, just minister to uh, to the needs uh, that surround us here in our community, uh, we believe as a church that the Bible is sufficient for all of our needs. And in light of that, we're having uh, BCI, which is Biblical Counseling Institute, uh, lead and direct some uh, counseling courses for us. And today. I am joined by the founder and executive director of BCI, uh, Joe Propri. BCI began in 1982 and is a certified training center for ACBC. And Joe, we're excited to have you with us. Thanks for being here.
1: Hey, it's great to be here, John.
0: Joe, uh, as we get started, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, you and about BCI. Some people may not be uh, familiar with it. Can you give us maybe just a, a brief history uh, of kind of your involvement, uh, just the burden to start BCI and uh, what BCI does currently?
1: Yeah, I'd be glad to. Um, it kind of began with uh, something of my testimony. I was raised uh, in a religion, uh Christian religion, but I didn't really have a personal relationship with Christ. <clears throat> I found fault with. Uh, the religious practices and I began a search for truth in other religions and eventually uh, read most of the holy books in world religions to try to find the truth and ended up becoming an atheist because I couldn't believe anything I read. And I uh, was an atheist for almost three years when, wow. uh, when some circumstances in my life brought me to the foot of the cross and the Bible and being witnessed to by some f- Christians who were really different people than I knew growing up, and they were genuine. <clears throat> so I um, gave my life to the Lord then and began to be concerned about uh, helping other people find that truth that you know about as well. And uh, and bottom line, people had problems too, and I wanted to be able to... to uh, Help them with their problems. And I knew instinctively from all the reading I had done from other religions that the Bible was the only book that I read that had the truth, actually, about everything and about people and about their problems. Um, it, it's the only real r- world religion that honestly says uh, you have sin and you can't do anything about it. Other religions uh, have efforts made to make you reach God. You can. You can come through many different lives. You can. Well, I don't want to get, get into the background <laughs> of all that stuff, but I know. I know what they say. Yeah. And Christianity says uh, you can't. You can't get to God. Hmm. You're blocked. God comes to you, yeah. and you receive it. <clears throat> so the Judeo-Christian heritage um, meant a lot to uh, me and to our to the country we live in. <clears throat> Bottom line, um, I found J. Adams' book. Competent to counsel, when I was searching through counseling uh, material, trying to help people by using the Bible, I was convinced mm-hmm. the Bible was the truth, and I needed that to be needed to be the foundation of everything I do in life. And uh, <clears throat> Jay's book struck me, struck a chord in me. It was solely convinced that the Bible was sufficient in itself, mm-hmm. and nothing else was needed. And so I began to uh, do counseling out of the Bible kind of cold, you know, Uh, and then I saw that Jay Adams was going to be teaching in Philadelphia in the early 70s. And I was saved in 71, about 73, I ended up going to Philadelphia for my vacation, not for my vacation uh, for two weeks to be trained there by Jay Adams and John Bettler and other fellows who are still doing it or else retired. <clears throat> and um, eventually uh, became certified because Nank was formed as a result of that growing movement um, toward the latter part of the 70s. Which and, is now
0: ACBC, correct? Which is now yes.
1: ACBC. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, I, I got certified myself in, in 80, became a pastor in 81. Uh, was ordained in 79 but started pastoring in 81 january and uh had been counseling all those years from 74 75 uh and uh very lonely at that there's hardly anybody around in fact i was the first certified in ohio and Mm -hmm. in 82 i thought you know i need to train some more people now that i'm a pastor i got to get some people to help me counsel people i was getting referrals from other pastors and cold calls and everything, and there was no one I could refer people to with confidence. Uh, Everybody else was using uh, Freudian thinking and Jungian thinking and Skinnerians and all kinds of stuff. Everything was secular. So I started training, and we've been training since 82. And um, we're doing that now here at your place on this weekend, and we offer training courses to take people from... Scratch nothing, Uh, Mm -hmm. just a commitment to Christ and the scriptures, and we train them to use just the scriptures to understand what problems are, what get get people into the problems and what to do about them. And we've seen amazing results all these years in all kinds of situations. So if anybody has a problem, and it's not medical, it's not a physical problem in their body, it's not organic, uh, then it's a matter of the soul, not the body. And there's no no authority to speak to the soul what, what it is, what's wrong with it, what needs to be done for it, than uh, Jesus Christ and his word. And so we, we counsel it, and uh, we see results.
0: Now, you guys also um, provide correspondence course as well so if someone uh, maybe can't come to one of these is that right on their, your website Absol-
1: absolutely okay. we do live training we do correspondence courses uh, we're entering into the modern age the, the tw- 2000s <laughs> this year because we're we're developing live streaming and okay. some online stuff and uh, we should have done this sooner but we haven't had the connections or the financials resources but we're getting in that area now too so we have that availability,
0: well let's talk for a minute here and just maybe so um someone maybe uh listening to this hear's you know us throw around terms like biblical counseling they they may hear the term newphetic counseling uh you're talking about nank and a c b c and and all of this what can you maybe cut through this and just uh, just briefly, share us what is biblical counseling, and how is that different from other kinds of counseling? What what sets it apart?
1: Uh, yeah, I sure can. I'd love to. Uh, the the, uh, the co- counseling in general is giving people advice in a, in a form that's supposed to help them uh, get along a little better in life. And there are theories about how best to do that. Theories about what the problems are and what causes them. So Freud has his theory. Carl Jung had, and there's there's just so many of them, and they inter and they integrate with each other. They some of them people are are partially Freud's, but they don't like this, so they take a little bit of uh, somebody else and they make their own mm-hmm. system. But uh, Jay Adams helped point us back to the Bible. Originally, uh, counseling was called soul care, and and. Uh, that kind of stuff and people that had depression problems they used to call melancholy in the 1800s and 1700s and they would go to their priest or their pastor or something like that for those kind of problems soul problems but we've gotten far away from that since psychology came on the scene in the late 1800s and and it was at the time when people would having concerns about the Bible being full of truth because Mm -hmm. Darwin had come out with the theory of evolution. And so it looked like science was making the Bible look out of date and it lost its favor. And, of course, uh, the Scopes Monkey Trial closed the door on the church having uh, an ascendancy of wisdom and truth about origins and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. So uh, the people began to lean on psychology and psychiatry to... uh, find hope for their problems but Nank is an associate was started right after J. Adams' books were selling like crazy and people were doing counseling so <clears throat> they we the group started to decide we, we need to become uh, some kind of an organization not just talking to each other but there are people that are listening to us and saying well the bible says we can counsel just from the bible so Mm -hmm. i'm going to start counseling people and well-meaning christians were saying things like well i'm a counselor Mm -hmm. you know i'm a counselor now well there is in one sense that's true but what can you counsel it's based upon how much bible you know Mm -hmm. and how much bible you know specifically oriented to certain problems Mm -hmm. But people would hang out shingles in so many words and say, I'm a counselor, and I counsel from the Bible, that's all you need. And they don't they didn't have any expertise or experience or any way to give you confidence. Sure. And so the organization that we were in, learning and training and studying ourselves, decided to form an organization oh. called NANC, National Association of Neuthetic Counselors, to supervise and uh, and uh, evaluate people and issue certificates or something that evidence that you are trained you are skilled you have some good experience and therefore we recognize you as competent in in much more areas than just being able to say look listen just pray and uh, and um, think happy thoughts of mm-hmm. Bible thoughts you know it's it's deeper you can't, you can't just go into it as a novice
0: um, talk for a minute. Joe, uh, how, how important, I mean, what, well, let me say it this way. One of the things to me that um, is, is an encouragement and that I love about biblical counseling and, and um, you know, ACBC and BCI and what, what you guys are doing is this really, uh, for me, is, is kind of birthed out of uh, what your view of Scripture is. And so if you view Scripture as being sufficient then you're going to cling to this kind of counseling that obviously looks back to the Bible. If your view of Scripture is that it's less than sufficient, or um, it's not enough, or maybe it's fallible, um, or it's not inerrant, you know, you're going to typically um, uh, reduce or or diminish the importance of Scripture in, in counseling. Can you talk for a minute how uh, how that serves, how how the, your view of Scripture really serves as an anchor point for your counseling? Absolutely. Um,
1: <clears throat> the Bible says of itself that it's sufficient. It says things like in uh, Peter, it says, uh, God has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of, of the Lord God and uh, as, and we know that all of the knowledge of the Lord God is in Scripture, and He is said there that He hath given us the past tense. Mm-hmm. So it's not something we have to gather more information on. All all the wisdom we need to live a life of godliness, mm-hmm. a good life, and uh, and that means conquer your problems uh, because we have problems. We're sinners. The Bible says, and uh, that's our main problem. So the only answers for that are in the Bible, and the answers about how you communicate with other people and how you handle difficulty and stress and all that stuff, they're they're all in the Bible. God has Mm -hmm. designed to provide us the answers we need. And uh, it reminds me of the term neuthetic that I didn't cover in the last question, but neuthetic is a a yanked-over Greek term into English. And it and it means uh, it's a word that's often translated counsel or admonish or instruct, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it means uh, you you talk to people about problems and you mm-hmm. you give them instructions on it and you comfort them with the, the words of God.
0: One of the uh, one of the things that uh, I think has bled <clears throat> over into uh, the church from this idea of. Uh, this secular counseling model and, and obviously there are various ones but if we kind of go back for a minute here to the Garden of Eden and you've got Adam who blames his sin on Eve and then Eve goes and she blames her sin on Satan you know this is something that I see really is defining our human condition uh, we we want to uh, shift the blame off of ourselves to someone or something else. Uh, I think this blame game really dominates secular counseling models, and and as I mentioned, it's really bled over into the church as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the ways that I see this, and I want to hear kind of what your thoughts are on this as well, but one of the ways that I see this is really this kind of uh, genesis of this disease model where all of a sudden sin is not sin, and we're not responsible for our actions. Um, can you talk a little bit about and maybe even explain what do we talk about when we say the disease model? How do you see that in the counseling room? How do you see that in churches? How is that impacted positively or negatively, the, the church and the Christian?
1: Well, that's huge in our day because uh, we've, we've had a history – since the late 1800s and early 1900s that uh, we're looking away from the Bible and we're looking more toward a pseudo-scientific study of the human being as what's wrong with him. And uh, there are some that have come to the conclusion that the human being is only material, mm-hmm. so there's there's no soul, and, and and so you're just a material being, which is kind of strange. I, I could talk about that for a while, but sure. we'll save on that. But uh, <clears throat> So... So if you have, um, if you have a, a body and you also have a soul, uh, some mm-hmm. part of you that's immaterial, then um, you address the immaterial part in a certain way if there's something wrong with that. Uh, we call the immaterial part the soul. That's what the Bible calls it. Um, other people might just call it the mind or I have a spirit, and uh, they can go off into some spiritual stuff You know, with far eastern religions or whatever, and try to heal that soul or spirit. Uh, But the bottom line is, if there's something wrong with the body, you 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 take care of the body. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it always was this way in medicine that um, they would find something wrong with the body. They would track that with blood tests or later MRIs or cat skins, or x-rays or whatever, urine samples. There's all kinds of ways to check the body, and they can discover. It's amazing what they can do. Mm-hmm. And God has gifted, gifted them with the ability to look at material things and, and research and come to certain conclusions that most people would agree on are 100% right. Mm-hmm. You can scientifically prove that. And, uh, but you can't observe the soul. There's nothing they can do to observe the soul. And so when they don't find anything wrong with the body— uh, and something's wrong with the person, They're, they make an assumption mm-hmm. that we've got to come up with some kind of a theory that explains its behavior. So they, the most common theory of the last 20, 30 years has been uh, there's a neurotransmitter kind of a pathway in, in the brain and serotonin levels are not right uh, so that uh, things don't jump the gap in, in the synapses and they don't travel fast enough or they travel too slow. And so your brain isn't functioning well because
0: of that. Well, those, those are theories. And so what you're saying is, and, and help me think through this here, what you're saying is that those, um, you're, not, you're not able to measure those dysfunctions, if they are dysfunctions, like you're able to measure the body. So you've got these things in the mind, and we're just making assumptions yeah. that there's something off balance, and we're prescribing something without really even knowing um, if it is off balance, how much it's off balance. Is that?
1: That's exactly right, uh, John. And because because of that thing, uh, that idea that we can't, I think there's it's subtle, and the heart of man is deceitfully wicked and as rebellious uh, to God. And the Bible says that's the nature of sin. So you have people like like Freud and all the way up to the modern times who have a bias against God mm-hmm. and against the Bible because they are sinners, you know, mm-hmm. too. Yes. And so they have to find some other way to explain things. And they end up uh, speculating and and going ahead because they, they care about people. They want to help the people feel better. But they have no way to address the soul if it's the soul
0: I've always told people that if they if they embrace if they fully embrace this disease model it really destroys hope because they're really we really don't have solutions if if that's what our psychological problems are as you're saying are immaterial problems mm-hmm. if they are uh, if it's a disease you know we really don't have solutions to those if however They are really sin problems. That's actually hopeful. Now, it it chafes at our human nature because I don't like to be told that I'm sinning. But it actually gives hope because there is a solution to that. And, of course, it's the gospel. It's Christ. Exactly right. It's Jesus.
1: Well, think about it this way. It used to be, when I was younger, that was before your time. (laughs) Well, when when somebody said a person was sick or they had a disease, you could name it and prove it and show it and you could Mm -hmm. fix it. You know, so now they say um, you're sick, and there's no physical substance to your explanation. Mm-hmm. It's a, a theory. Uh, they used to say people they would use um, the term sickness. Somebody would say this: this little kid in school, he picks his nose and then he eats it. <laughs> and other people would say, other kids would say, that's sick. And what everybody meant the, doesn't mean you're literally sick. No. Means your 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 head's not working right. You're just not <laughs> thinking straight. But now, you you don't. It doesn't mean that. Mm-hmm. When they say sick, they mean you're mentally mm-hmm. got a disease. And there's no proof that there's a medical disease. And one one illustration, quick, uh, John. Uh, the most common. Uh, Diagnosis made when nothing is found with medical testing is you have a chemical imbalance. Mm-hmm. I mean, people out of counseled had depression diagnosis. Uh, the first thing I asked for is a copy of the doctor's st- stuff, and I find out that there is actually no diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And if you ask your doctor, well, then what's wrong with me? Well, you have depression. Well, what's causing it? Mm-hmm. It's a chemical imbalance. What most people don't know. In fact, if you're listening, I would just challenge you if you're struggling with depression and your doctor says you have uh, depression and what's causing it, and they don't give you a scientific diagnosis name, you know, with your heart or pituitary gland or whatever it might be. And he just, then then you say to him or her, What's causing this? They'll probably tell you a chemical chemical imbalance. And what you should say, what chemicals are out of balance Mm -hmm. in my body? You ran certain tests. Mm -hmm. What chemicals are out of balance? There might be some way I can balance those chemicals by eating a certain kind Mm -hmm. of fruit or vegetable or something like that. And the surprising answer, and all doctors know this, but the surprising answer, because we don't always know this. We're not thinking medically. We haven't done our research There is no test for chemical imbalance. Hmm. There's no standard balance. And for women, it's worse because their chemicals change because of the ovulation cycle. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so there's no substance scientifically for the diagnosis, diagnosis of a chemical imbalance. But that's their theory. And so what they do is give you chemicals that they don't know are balancing your, an imbalance. Mm-hmm. And they're man-made created chemicals. And they also have side effects which complicate the situation. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're struck, stuck with a dilemma in our culture because... We want to trust medical-sounding people, but they—they're um, working from hypotheses and theories that there's no proof of,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the research that they've done with studies, as we'll teach in the course tonight, uh, in their lit- scientific literature, which I read, uh, admitted in the literature that that we've tr- we've studied this for twenty some years and we've still found no direct connection between A and B.
0: So it's all so so for the most part. This is an assumption that's really based on a worldview.
1: And, exactly. And
0: so we don't have. We're not looking at this from a evidence standpoint. We're looking at it from this is our worldview, and because of this, we're going to make this assumption about what's going on.
1: It, you know, we're facing it today outside of the realm of counseling with the recent uh, uh, shootings in Florida, because. Uh, the big, big scream right now. We got to stop this. And certainly, we do. So, what does the, the media and what does most of the shouting voices say? Uh, the NRA is the problem, and we've got to stop people from having guns. Th- that is, uh, that is a, a miscommunication of what the problem is. They don't understand the problem, and they don't, they don't understand what needs to be done. And they're blame shifting like Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. It's not the NRA that caused that guy to shoot those kids. That guy has his own problem. It's the heart. And if I, I haven't heard this. You're right. I haven't <laughs> heard this on the radio yet at all or in the news. But what if he had drove his car into the school and mowed them over? Would they then say uh, Chevy's the problem? we got to stop sure. she- selling Chevy trucks. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. The connection is not made logically. People aren't thinking well because something is wrong with their heart. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. It all goes back to the heart at exactly. the end of the day and taking the blame for myself. Um, I want to read you a quote here uh, and get your response to it. Um, Albert Moeller, he says this, quote, One of the most revolutionary aspects of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the assumption that our main problem is inside of us and our only hope for rescue comes from without In matters of counseling, the secular worldview, driven by the engine of therapy, says precisely the opposite. Our problem is something outside of us, and the rescue we need is something that comes from within. So this secular idea of listen to your heart kind of thing. He -hmm. continues, this is the very antithesis of gospel proclamation. It is impossible to mix orthodox theology and secular therapeutic counseling, end quote. Uh, Respond to that.
1: Well, he nails it. It's right. It's as simple as that. Um, the problem, the problem is inside of it. The answer is outside mm. of us. The problem is sin from the fall of Adam and Eve. And of course, if, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a Bible thumper, you're not. You don't have any interest in that kind of stuff, and it bothers you, it annoys you. Then you have just turned off your ears. You know, mm. he who has ears, let him hear. But. Uh, uh, there's no answer for you. Everybody's been trying to improve themselves by themselves, listening to themselves. And we still have shooters. We still have sin. We still have all kinds of problems. And the, the people that show uh, real change in their life for the better are people that come to faith in Christ.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And not, not that they are perfect by any stretch. And, and, uh, but uh, that's the answer. That's the only hope.
0: So, this hope of, and we're talking about the gospel here, and, and if you're listening to this maybe for the first time, I did a four part series on what is the gospel uh, for this podcast. I encourage you to go back and, and check that out because this really is the hope that we're kind of, where they're really talking about here. The gospel plays a role in my salvation, uh, and specifically I'll say my justification. But d- does that mean that once I'm saved, the gospel is kind of irrelevant, and now I've kind of walked through the door of salvation? and I just get on with things? Or what What role specifically does the gospel message play in biblical counseling? And maybe I'll even say it this way. What role does the gospel play in my sanctification uh, now that I've been saved?
1: Well, the, the fact—now, uh, you're opening a big box for me because, <laughs> because uh, the elementary gospel, let's put it that way, the simple— easily communicated gospel is that you're a sinner. Jesus died for your sins and only his righteousness dying for someone else's sins pays for our sins because the wages of sin is death, the Bible says. So everybody that dies pays for their own sins. The only way our sins could be paid for in our place would be someone would have to have no sin of his own Mm -hmm. to make that payment. And Jesus was the only human being that had no sin. The only way you could be a human being without sin is to be uh, coming from heaven as God, and God volunteered himself to come and become a human, which is the majesty of the gospel, too. So um, Jesus comes and pays for the sin, and that's the gospel. Now, to take that thought... Uh, into the rest of your life and sanctification is to remind yourself that you are saved by grace through faith and that you are uh, a person who has been taken over so to speak by jesus christ and the holy spirit the trinity comes in with with the spirit and uh and you have god's presence in you and he's remaking you into his own image so that you become more Christ-like and less like your father the devil, which is who you followed um, before you became a Christian. By the way, as an atheist, I didn't even believe in the devil. When I got saved and read that passage in Ephesians, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and and also in in the Gospels where Jesus says you're like your father the devil to the Pharisees, I thought, man, I— I, I would have never believed that, but it's true because the mm. Bible says so. So I was following the devil the whole time I was a, a, a non-Christian and then an atheist. I was following the devil. What a how I chuckled over that. How my how, how, excuse me how blind I was trying to talk too fast here.
0: Well, Joe, I'm so thankful for uh, BCI and what you guys are doing. Thankful for um, just the. Uh, Testimony that we have here, and really the the testimony that points to the sufficiency of Scripture. Um, I'm convinced and I am am just grounded to the sufficiency of the Bible for all of these kinds of situations. And thankful for your uh, position on that, and really looking forward to these counseling courses that you guys are um, really taking us through. Um, If uh, if you want more information, if you're listening to this and you're interested in more information, uh, you can go to our church website and find out. Uh, where you can register for these courses uh, if they're interested in BCI Joe where should they go for that
1: Well the website is really easy to remember it's bciohio. Okay bciohio.com Okay and they have, we have where the next courses are in different areas of the country, as well as locally. And uh, we have uh, special seminars and all kinds of things. Actually, you can sign up for a free newsletter, monthly newsletter, with articles about counseling and about problems Mm -hmm. and what the Bible says about those problems and uh, locations and things like that. So there's a a lot of information on the website.
0: Great. Joe, thanks so much for joining us today. really appreciate having you.
1: Thanks for having me. I'd like to be had. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Oroville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us at crossvieworville.com.